Welcome to a new episode of the Creative Industry Insight Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby. Today, we welcome costume designer Madeline Weeks, who joins us to talk about their work on Prime Video's Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Madeline will talk us through the creative decisions that she made and how she went about designing for Spy Show. Please be warned, there are heavy spoilers in this episode. Now let's jump into the conversation with Madeline. Hi, Madeline. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, Rob. Thanks for having me. Happy Hi. to be here. Thank you very much. Yeah, we're here to talk about Mr. and Mrs. Smith that's recently been released on Amazon Prime. And I'm slightly taken aback by how different and how good it was. And I'm not as in like a bad way, but I guess when you always, when people start talking about shows and when movies are being remade into shows, people always have that sort of preconceived notion of, oh, it's not going to be as good, it's not going to be this, but this probably exceeds everything and it was really, it was a good show to watch. Thank you. Yeah, and it was a really fun show to make. And um, I think you always wonder how it's going to be, but I read the scripts really early on and not all the scripts were finished, but the ones that I got a chance to read, I thought were really smart and funny and very different. And um, I thought, wow, this is going to be really special. And I really liked I loved Atlanta and I loved um, the people that made Atlanta, especially um, Donald Glover and Francesca Sloan and Hiro Mirai. So I was really excited to have the opportunity to work with them. Well, I guess that's like when something like that comes up and you've been a fan um, of of people's previous work, I think it becomes a no-brainer to say yes on what they're going to be working on. Yeah. I mean, the only thing is that it's a big commitment because it was almost, I mean, it ended up being a year. So, I mean, you're signing on for uh, a whole load of episodes that are going to be shot one right after another. And it was great to work on something so huge, but it was also, it's, you know, a big, big, big project for everybody involved. I think with when it comes to sort of the spy genre as well, you always need to have those cliches of being in certain areas um, to know, to have that sort of like a, a a scope of like storytelling and how big the organization that they're working for and how, where they, and where they end up around the world. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You want to have that like, Oh my God, where are they? Or the, you know, yeah, you want to have that spectacular you kind of surprise, element of surprise and suspense. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it's like the cliches, there's always like Bond. James Bond always has those sort of feelings where they would always be in certain places and um they call they have a throwback um themselves when they have films that are being produced now to what the films were like being produced then. So the sort of mm. snowy elements or certain layers being used or car chases in various places. Definitely. Um, in fact, that was a big inspiration from my point of view from the costumes was 
movies like Downhill Racer with Robert Redford. We wanted to have that kind of almost like a 60s, 70s look to the show and, you know, kind of lo-fi version of um, a spy movie or a spy television show. I think you kind of, you see a lot of that sort of 60s feel. Um, I think especially with like Donald Glover's character where he has the, the sort of uh, polo neck um, uh-huh. and it has that sort of very like suave 60s feel uh, to uh. it all. And I guess uh. with like, with your characters, you kind of want to get a mixture of how they look. So it feels like John Smith does have that suave 60 feel whilst Jane has that uh. more of a conscious decision that she has outfits that make her just blend in with the public. And um, uh. when you were coming up with these ideas and themes, where did you begin and what was it that you wanted to, how did you want to tell their story through the clothes mm. that they're wearing? Well, I mean, it really comes from the beginning of the first episode where they are interviewing for this assignment and they kind of had been working in um, espionage separately and doing okay, but, you know, this was a big opportunity. And so they both wanted this assignment, which was to be married and become Jane and John Smith. And so we kind of created this fantasy of, you know, they are living in this incredible townhouse in Manhattan. Their wardrobes are sick, beautiful, you know, kind of like hyper versions of what they would want. And that's all created by the agency. So creating those and thinking about their characters and also thinking about Maya and Donald, I was thinking for him, you know, thinking about those kind of really strong leading men like Steve McQueen or Paul Newman or Robert Redford and really that smoldering kind of sex appeal but also somebody who's kind of fun and also vulnerable. And, you know, there's that kind of, you know, accessibility that you want to have um, as well. And then for her, it was much more like her inspiration was um, a little bit more, I guess, more 90s, really. But it was a mix of 60s, too, because Jane Birkin was a big inspiration and a little bit romantic. I mean, I think there's something very romantic about the show and about their relationship because in the beginning they're like, okay, no sex, you know, we're not gonna, this is an assignment, we're gonna make a lot of money, then we're gonna get out. And, you know, and then they do kind of care, start to care about each other and fall in love fall for each other. And so um, Carolyn Bissett was a big inspiration. Um, the, the sort of um, wanted her clothes to be kind of like, she didn't think too much about them. Obviously, they're not even her clothes. They're, you know, Jane's clothes. But then they become comfortable in their new characters. There are new aliases that they kind of do live this life. They do live this, this house and they do have beautiful things. And John loves watches and he loves expensive clothes and he loves to shop and, you know, he meditates and he cares about 
the way things feel. And Jane is a little bit more practical. But, you know, her clothes are beautifully cut. And we wanted to show them as kind of very stylish. But also, they have their own, they have their own personalities, their own, like looking inside their private world and kind of wanting to show that. And, um, and then kind of uh, the colors were important too, you know, like her was more like browns and blues and, and his was a little bit, you know, like in that finale, he's wearing all ivory, she's wearing all navy. We wanted to kind of almost like that they're very set against each other. There's no blending in that final episode, but then they do kind of end up coming together. So the colors were important too, I would say. And for him also, I wanted to always see his body, feel the physicalness of his body through his clothes. So everything was very tailored, fitted. You know, we always did fittings for everything. For both of them, but are really um, very, very particular about the way things fit for for him. I think it's interesting, like the contrast between them and how mm-hmm. that you get the um, idea of like they once they start sort of earning money, how one kind of goes a bit more out with their flashy clothes and how. They sort of show themselves off a bit more. Um, yeah. And I think that's what I love about Donald Glover's character, John, just because you see him transform from this guy who's wearing a really sort of dusted, old, used liver coat to then a few episodes later saying, oh, be careful with the jacket, it's Gucci. Yeah. Um, it's like little things like that where you think, oh, this is someone who's... Um, who's now can afford get, getting these, being a little bit extra and getting these um, items of clothing. Yes, definitely. And they are making money each time with their mission. So they can, she likes art. He likes to buy himself, you know, clothes and watches and, you know, ski gear and all that stuff. So um, absolutely they are, um, Definitely, John is having fun, you know, spending that money on himself. And he feels like, why not? I earned it. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny as well to see the, I think when you see him jump into certain clothes as well later on in the series, and you can see with the the way that he, like the loafers that he wears, the trousers mm-hmm. as well. Um, I think yeah. as well that he kind of just sort of starts blending into that life as well when you see somewhere like, when they're in Italy um, mm-hmm. with the loafers and the trousers yeah. that he's wearing. And it's just, I don't know, I think yeah. he just, yeah, perfect. It just looks really, excuse my language, fucking cool. Yeah, well, thank you. I mean, we really thought about, you know, like how would those loafers feel when you put those on and what are the most comfortable loafers and what feels like, oh, they could be like any loafers, but they're not, they're really they're really, you know, they're actually Manolo Blahnik loafers. <laughs> um, and we went about that very, um, you know, um, intentionally where we thought of our myself, like who makes the most comfortable. And we had a lot, you know, like he would try on a bunch and, and I would always ask him, does, how does that feel? 
does it feel? Because the way clothes make you feel, I think, and my background coming from being fashion director of GQ, I always, you know, when I'm working with actors, athletes, music artists, I know that, you know, something can make you feel amazing, you know? So I'd always want him to feel fantastic, you know, even if it was a jeans or tank top or t-shirt or those slides that he wears, those are John Lobb slides. <laughs> so I like that idea, like they could be nothing or they could be look like nothing, but they are the best you could ever have, but they're very subtle. Unless you have a very keen eye on certain brands, to someone like myself, they could just look like comfy pair of shoes or something that you right. know they're probably higher end. I like that. But as well, like with an actor, like it depends on what their process is in terms of getting into the role because they might ask for certain things. Like sometimes they might put a stone in their shoe or something just to sort of mm. get into the role if they need to be grumpy. Or I had right. another costume designer say that an actor said shoes that they wore the whole time that they're working were the most uncomfortable shoes they ever had. Right. Um, but and it... I mean, I've that is a cool way to work. I mean, I did uh, the design costume design for Armageddon Time, which was a James Gray um, feature that came out a couple of years ago. And the father character, the husband, was played by Jeremy Strong. And he, his character, you know, it's like his clothes might have been like had a mothball scent because they might have had mothballs in the closet or he might have owned his clothes for a long time. And, you know, they had that. So we put some mothballs in the, I mean, a little bit of mothballs goes a long way, but we actually put them in his clothing garment bags um, just to have that smell or we did stuff like that that would make it feel like musty even and he would always wear versions of the same thing every single day yeah I like that too yeah working like that is interesting I think as well like you don't then like as a costume designer you're kind of doing a different version of a breakdown um rather than it just being a worn piece of item it's like no we need something very specific to make it feel and look that it's um that somebody has lived in this or and they have depending on yeah. what their background is and what they've gone through that they this is a jumper that they can't afford or this is their sunday best um as an example um yeah, yeah. and that's quite cool to see as well in in different uh shows and films how that's happened and i think with something like this as well it's uh, I guess as like a costume designer, because you have, um, because we get brought into this world, uh, you have a bit of a blank canvas when it comes to designing for the characters, because we don't actually, I don't, uh, maybe in the first episode we do, but we don't really get a feel of, of what their clothes and what their lives were like prior to them joining mm. the agency. And right. that felt like a really smart and conscious choice as well. But as a yeah. designer, when you have that sort of knowledge and understanding of uh, where you're coming in as a designer, like, does that give you, does that excite you that you have more of a blank canvas or is it scary because the possibilities I mean, can be endless? I do think you do 
you know, talk to the director and the writers and the showrunner. In that case, it was showrunner who was doing a lot of the writing about like what could have John's life been like before he got that job. So we knew that he was had been in the army. Um, so we knew that his, you know, maybe he had grown up and Jane mentions it like, oh, you're a military brat or something. So you knew that he'd been probably bounced around and, um, you know, certain things. So like that military feeling, you know, or that hint of the past, we wanted to kind of bring that through um, a little bit um, into his when you first meet him. So that's why he's wearing that pea coat. And that's why he's wearing that kind of like, you know, army green t-shirt and these heavier soled lace up shoes and, um, and then his like duffel bag, you know, that he's carrying, those all have a little bit of an army, a military vibe. And then he kind of moves out of that pretty quickly to his leather jacket and um you know but but not totally i mean he's still wearing his jeans maybe they're new jeans or version of his old jeans but you know he's still wearing his jeans and he's still wearing his heavy soled shoes in the beginning when those chase scenes so then you see him you know when you see him in italy then he's like ah yeah you know this this is the life you know they're liking their life and you know, part of their, they're taking a little vacation, you know, they're um, in love with each other. Um, so yeah, the clothes tell that evolution, I mean, help too with their character. I think that's why I like, uh, you're kind of helping to tell and having the ability to work with the actors to help them feel those scenes you know um and then be those characters so those the clothes need to kind of be an extension of of what they're doing at that moment so yeah it's challenge it's a challenge but it's when it works i think people know you know it's like it works because people believe it and that's that's the whole thing when it works and people notice that it's I, don't, I think if they don't notice it in term, then you've done your job because it's like that invisible work that you mm. subconsciously um, bring the viewer into the show and they can see the change going on and they feel it and it doesn't I think if it's right. like slightly off then the viewer will notice and get taken out of the show um, yes um, which is just like, which is quite crazy to think because you'd think that you'd want to make it obvious for an audience member, but it's the reverse. It's the there's this this subtlety that is the thing that catches mm -hmm. that won't take people out of it. Yeah, and I think that with somebody like Donald, well, both of them, but the confidence, their confidence is becoming like they know what they're doing I mean of course they're going to make mistakes and you know have fights or you know things are not going to go their way always but I think that they when they're on their mission that you know we wanted to show that there's this confidence that they they are really good at what they do and um that one of my inspirations was Robert Redford and three days of the condor 
and all those running scenes, you know, uh, Robert Redford is always running. Somebody's always chasing him and he's always kind of wearing the same things, wearing jeans and a tweed jacket and these hiking, cool, really cool hiking boots. And he has this beat up bag. Um, so certain things I wanted to have like a mix of, of things that might be worn in, like maybe a vintage t-shirt or just certain things that had some character. Um, and I do think keeping in mind that he's, you know, always wanting him to look like a movie star. I really wanted him to be, I wanted people, I do, I mean, in the subtle way, but, you know, every t-shirt, every tank top, he looks hot. And that's my, I just, I like to do that because he looks so amazing. So I never wanted to miss that opportunity that, wow, he takes off his shirt and walks down that hallway. Every guy wants to be him. Every woman wants him. You know, he's, he's, it's a moment. And I wanted people to get excited about that. And I think clothes, certainly it's him, of course, but certainly, you know, you are like, that's why people are like DMing me saying like, where's that tank top from? You know, it's, it's kind of, fun to kind of know that you know he's looking so sexy see that's that's one thing that's quite funny about it all is that i think you do notice the sort of tank tops and the um the topless scenes but do you know what it's also is is like the shorts um they sort of they're not runner shorts but they're sort of that european (laughs) in at the beach sort of shorts uh, but oh yeah, he, those were Olabar and Olabar and Brown. When you see that, it's like the confidence of wearing those because if you're if you're someone who's not confident, you're definitely not going to be wearing those because they're quite short um, and they show off quite mm-hmm. a lot of legs. So you're going to have to have quite well defined legs, and it's very sort of uh, a conscious decision uh, to wear those. Yeah, yeah, that's true, and that came from donald likes shorts that are short so you know i think that olivar and brown make fantastic um swim trunks for guys and um they just get it right so you know it was a matter of what color and i really liked white so you know and that kind of sweater he was wearing i think was like a just a you know beautiful cotton knit sweater so it's like dead simple but it's great it's very sort of noticeable noticeable as well if they're wearing when he's wearing that and it kind of in and the odd thing is i think um as an audience member you know it suits him so you go with it and you don't yeah you don't really question it's like why would you wear those sort of shorts but then like sort of following on because there are, we spoke about this a little bit, is that the, about the locations um, used in the show mm-hmm. and how you do feel that sort of scope for it worldwide. But how do locations play a part in your designing? I, I understand in episode three, when they're at the ski resort, they're going to be in specialist mm-hmm. gear and outfits because you're not going to be, you're not going to be out there in your shorts and uh, tank top. But there's also a really sort of conscious line that John says is that, um, uh, Jane asked him about his clothes. And he's like, "Yeah, I'm wearing this because I look fly." 
Um, right. And I feel like that's slightly sort of like a conscious thing about his costumes that he he's always going to pick something that looks good, whilst Jane, again, is picking something that's more comfort and blending in. Right. That's right. She was more thinking about like, oh, I want to be cozy or I want to be warm or yeah, I want to be, I want to wear this robe over my bathing suit. Whereas he was not so thinking that, you know, he was wanting to be those things. So that, that did kind of define their characters a little bit. I think Italy was kind of going back to those movies made in Italy. I mean, when we were going to Lake Como, which was a location Donald wanted to, you know, he wanted that episode set there. Um, and then keeping in mind that was like very high action and a lot of chase scenes. So, but we were thinking of like Alain Delon, talented Mr. Ripley, um, Moments, Purple Noon, uh, that Alain Delon movie set in um, the Amalfi Coast, um, La Piscine with Romy Schneider and Alain Delon, like those iconic movies where it is so achingly beautiful and they are wanting that, you know, kind of like dream moment to have with each other, but then boom, like, uh-oh, they've got this mission and they've got to go find that guy and who is he and he seems like a bad guy and he's got a gun. And so they're constantly, of course, they have to do their mission. They have to do it well. And um, so it was like he's wearing a beautiful ivory silk shirt, but she's also running for her life. So kind of the Italian Riviera of those movies and those times, you see people on vacation, Johnny Agnelli, Jackie Onassis. Um, I mean, everybody knows those pictures, but we wanted to have a little hint of movie stars and, you know, the, uh, that beautiful time. And people still, that's a very romantic, you know, vision of the Amalfi Coast. But for us, you know, that's, and it was, we were in Lake Como, but we wanted to have that kind of Italian kind of uh, fantasy a little bit. I guess once you have a location, um, it can kind of slightly change and judge, change on like your design and how you're going to, the ideas that are going to go through, because you're not going to have a, when you're on a Malfi coast, you're not going to wear something that's, um, what's it called? You're not going to wear like a, a long jacket there. Um, you're going to try be as cool as suave and right. romanticize well, for, the area. For instance, we had some beautiful suits for Donald, but he never wore them because he it was like he was just too casual. He just liked being casual. You know, he loved soft things. He loved beautiful things. He loved silk and cashmere and great design. But he wasn't going to be, it was like he was this, very want, always wanted to feel like he could be himself and so he never wore a suit except for you know the tuxedo that's sort of an interesting point as well because that's uh um i guess like traditionally somebody like james bond always has a suit on you always see that him yeah. wearing mm -hmm. one in the film mm -hmm. even if it's a tuxedo but it's a different kind of suit that he'll uh he'll have um but that's an interesting point as well that they, that he is not wearing one. Um, he doesn't wear one that often, and he's going for more of the comfort. Um, and I think that's a good sort of choice of a, a little character. more casual. 
yeah, yeah. a little more and casual yeah kind of mm-hmm. reveals a lot more about himself um as well mm-hmm. but i think with yeah. jane for example um as well is that i do love that she has um the casualness of it all but her the way that she dresses and is dressed it I don't know, I, I always feel that it's, um, even though she's kind of blending in, her, hers is always a quite a big elegance to it all. Mm. Um, yeah, she was elegant, is elegant. In fact, when she's running in that first, you know, chase, she's wearing velvet jeans, you know, so, and really cool cowboy boots. So, you know, those cowboy boots are Hermes. And the jeans are Saint Laurent. So it's like, they could be any cowboy boots, but those were really, really special. And she loved them. And so we used those in the entire episode. Um, and I think we even went back to them another time. But um, yeah, she loves things that once she loves it, then she might wear it again or similar things. She's not that experimental in her clothing. She just kind of... You know, she loves that jacket. She's going to wear wear it a lot or that, you know, she's more of a, she loves well-made things, of course, very luxurious because that's her, you know, character, Jane. But um, she doesn't need to go out and buy the latest styles. No. She's not trend- trendy. No, and it has that feel of... Um... What's the word? I don't know. It has that feel of like going for, I wouldn't say vintage because it doesn't look, it doesn't have that sort of old feel to it, but it has that that slightly reused feel of it all. Um, mm-hmm. But keeping with the sort of casualness and elegance of it all. Because it's the same with like, for example, the episode where you're introduced with, to the other um, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And right. when they go to the market, John is dressed quite smartly, but then uh, Jane is still has that casual look. Um, casual, but... Um, Just thrown on. Like, she grabbed yeah. that shirt and she threw it on. That's and much makes more it work. her. Yeah. yeah. She just throws, throws that on and grabs her bag and, her, you know, runs out the door. Whereas he's like, ooh, what shirt should I wear? You know, he's going to think about it, maybe change his shoes a couple times. Oh, I love these. Yeah, I'll wear that watch. Yeah, he's much, he's considered what he's going to wear that day. He's a little bit more, yeah, thinking about that. Yes, and I I can imagine as well that he would be the type of person that would have his clothes laid out for the next day, but always Mm -hmm. have one or two, one or two variations um, so put the shoes on. I oh, know the shoes aren't correct, and then put these shoes on. Um, that's what I could always picture him as a character doing. Yes, but there's that's um, right. But there's also what I'm curious. There's something that I kind of touched upon it now, but with having the other John and Jane Smith, is that there's a lot of guest stars in the show, um, which it mm-hmm. kind of, I guess, it feels like you're playing a bit of a bingo card of who's who might turn up next, and the sort of characters mm. that they might play on. Who's going to turn up a mission? Who's going to be a bad guy? Who's going to be a good guy? And yeah, you know, some of the characters have one costume for the episode. Others will have a few. Where do you begin in the design process? And 
uh, for these characters. And do the costume mm -hmm. ideas change once someone has been cast? Um, yeah, yeah. I would say the guests are guests were so fun. I mean, it was really exciting to have every episode have a guest star and be able to really focus on them and who that character is in the show. And especially, I would say that somebody like Paul Dano, that was really, really subtle because it was like, you kind of didn't know if he was a good guy or bad guy. He was very mysterious. He lived next door. He was curious. He wanted to know what was going on. He was definitely flirting with Jane. She thinks he's hot. So there has to be some kind of attractiveness there. But you don't want to know too much about him. But he's obviously very successful because he wear, you know, in whatever line of work he does, he works at home. He seems to be around all the time. So we were trying to figure out, you know, what he would wear. And in the beginning, we thought, oh, well, maybe he's working out all the time. So he's always in gym clothes. But then when it was Paul Dano, he doesn't really work out. It's not, that's not part of his life. So it didn't make sense to make his character part of, you know, working out all the time. So then we wanted to think like, well, is he single or is he married or does he have kids or, you know, what trying to kind of create this mysterious neighbor and, but also have him be very comfortable and like he always wears versions of the same thing every day but it's nice clothes. How do you kind of get that across? So, you know, um, we went through a couple of versions of what that is. And in the end, you know, I like the way he looks like it could be any guy, but it's not any guy, you know, it's khakis and a, and a beautiful shirt, but he's wearing Adidas, you know, um, and um, then the other person was, I mean, they're all was fabulous, but like John Turturro, you know, he said, we were like, ah, he doesn't care about wearing a bow tie to black tie thing. He just wants to get in there and get that painting. And he's a, you know, doesn't not a mingler dot guy. He's, you know, weird. Um, he's a billionaire. So we, maybe he wouldn't have worn socks, you know, maybe he wears his tuxedo shirt open a few buttons. There's a kind of throwaway glamour appeal to him. Um, but he doesn't care what people think. So we went with a Tom Ford velvet dinner jacket. Um, and then those kind of beautiful tuxedo loafers. And, you know, so he has beautiful things, but this kind of nonchalant attitude about them. And then Sarah Paulson, she's the therapist later on. And she's highly, you know, like, don't touch that piano. You know, don't sit there. You know, she's so particular. So we wanted her clothes to have that feeling too, like the fit of her pants, her blue suit, the way she wears her jewelry. Everything was like super hyper, you know, just right because she's like you know very hyper aware and sensitive in particular and all those things that her character is so we wanted her clothes to reflect that and she I mean each one of those people really also 
you know, once you know who is playing those parts, their opinion, their what they bring to it, it's a collaboration for sure. Michaela Cole, she's, you know, her, she's a martial arts. She, that's what she does. She loves martial arts. So we wanted to show that with her arms, you know, she's an artist in the, in the um, episode, she plays Bev and we wanted to have her in that very, like her arms, her, she has almost like, you know, incredible physical presence, you know, but so beautiful. And also she's a jewelry designer. She's an artist. So, you know, her jewelry reflects her personality and where her her house and but yet it, within a flash, she was like, you know, almost killed both of them and ran out of the house like, you know, easy as pie, you know. So each person really brought so much. And then we 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 built on that with whatever. Um, Ron Perlman, the guy in Lake Como, he's this billionaire. He's hiding out. He's sick. We wanted him to wear like Laura Piana, you know, like, but you don't really notice. But that shirt is like cashmere and that T-shirt's like a zillion dollars. And but we wanted him to feel that he's wearing a Panerai watch. He's a fat cat, bad guy, you know, but you kind of feel bad for him because it sucks. You know, he's going through a lot. So with the, each of those special guest stars, we had a lot of fun creating those characters through their clothes. I think as well with um, people joining on, even if they are um, someone who's well known, um, I think you always need to have to give them like a distinct look as like a, what's the word? It's like a, like a peacock feel to them. That There's always something about them. There's something quirky about them. So Sean mm -hmm. Totoro's character, for example. I love that uh, dinner jacket. I think it's pretty badass. And I think that sort of um, having each person have their own sort of sense of style and characteristics all thrown into these outfits um, really helps sort of understand like who they are and the sort of bad guy that they could be. So I think with something like Ron Perlman's character, um he just feels like a very sort of casual sort of guy jeans and a shirt um mm -hmm. and you don't feel he, he, that makes you question it's like what has he really done or what sort of person is he um right cons considering others have always had that sort of more flamboyancy to them um yes i would say this flamboyancy was his watch because that was a that was a it was like a power move that yeah, he had that watch because that was a big, expensive watch. And why shouldn't he wear that watch? So that was a little, it was a little moment, a little tell, you know, for him. But everything else he was wearing, you know, I think we did like Todd's driving moccasins. So, you know, luxurious, but not, you might not notice, but you, it's kind of like, if you know, you know, kind of thing. Mm. I guess as well, like, if you know, you know, it's like a nice little Easter egg for uh, audiences, but then also as other audiences, it's not sort of garish either. Like it's not over the top. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I always want people to have fun with the clothes, looking at what their people are wearing, but I never want to 
I'm not doing it for anything other than the character, for sure. So that is number one. And then that just reflects the character. And then for the audience, yeah, it's fun to see, oh, you know, oh, I love that. You know, I love that he's wearing, you know, some crazy bathing suit. Or I forgot if you see him, I think, in the little writing shack. Um, I think they changed clothes or they find clothes there. So sometimes you're just, things can look and feel random as well. And that's kind of fun too. Yeah, and I think if you have that sort of randomness as well, um, you can kind of mix, mix match a bit more um, in mm-hmm. how you want people to look and feel in what they're wearing. Or also it can add another layer to what that person is thinking or the situation that they're in. Definitely, yes, very um, true. You were mentioning colours uh, early on in the episode, which... When you see the colors that the characters are wearing, sometimes you want to, for me, it was like you want to Google those outfits and see where they might get them from. But now you're mentioning mm. about them um, being like uh, high end brands. Um, they're probably mm. out of my budget now. Um, but <laughs> but um, with these colors and the conscious decisions that you have to make, like how do you choose colors that make sure that the characters don't look washed out in them? But then also, how do you go about choosing colors that they do not mess, do not clash with stuff like the production design? Oh, for sure. That's one of the things that you do very early on is you talk to the production designer and cinematographer and director about the way that it's going to be filmed and what colors they're thinking about for the interiors and also the show you know what how is it going to be filmed and is it going to be warm and saturated or is it going to be cool feeling um and then i wanted like say when you first see john walk into the house you see him this navy pea coat and jeans so i felt like that's all very accessible clothes that he might have you know had for a long time but the cut the shape the line of that coat, we were very considered that it's navy. So you would see it silhouette of him at the door when he walks in or in the elevator. And um, for her, it was that tan trench coat that you see on her, oh, just over a simple t-shirt. So, you know, those are things that were very accessible great lines, great shapes. Then later when you see her in that tweed sport jacket and him in green, I wanted him to have something that, oh, it's leather. So it had a little bit of a sheen to it. And that emerald green was super flattering, but not loud. So, and then she was kind of more of a texture, a little bit more earth tone. So that feeling comes from maybe vintage, vintage vibes vintage movies but maybe present day because they're wearing it now so it's like a kind of like mixing it and some things were vintage that they wore um all of his jeans and corduroys are vintage like from the 70s that we 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 found like on ebay and then we would refit and stuff like that when you have like vintage stuff that you're picking up from um and then refitting them how difficult is it to refit them and sort of 
reshape them a little bit to an actor um just because if they're of a certain age do the items hold up or do you have to be an do you have to take extra care of them well, this shirt that Jane wears in that first episode is a vintage men's shirt, and it was very thin, like a chambray cotton. And we had to find that was hard because we love that shirt so much. But after a while, for all those fight scenes and chase scenes, it started to rip. So we had to find more of them. So, yeah, it's a little bit of a treasure hunt that you're looking for more and then trying to retailer it like that first one. Um, and I think, you know, it's not easy. And sometimes you could make a whole new version of it. But in terms of denim, they don't make those old Levi 5.7. The cut of that jean was Levi's 5.17. So even if they reissued that, the denim is different. So um, we would probably buy lots of them and then try to find the most similar ones and then tailor them all like the first one. So, I mean, it's definitely takes a minute to kind of figure that out. And, but, you know, jeans are important in the way that they fit. It's, you know, it's important to me. Like when I see his ass, I want him to look hot when he's walking away in my, for me. I mean, that's like how I feel, you know, I always want him to look like, wow. You know, even if he's covered in blood <laughs> or dirt or whatever, you know, it's always something kind of like you just don't want to take your eyes off of them, both of them. And that's how I feel about it. Like that would be like the way I would want to feel if I was looking at it. Yeah, basically they're they're so hot that you can't keep your eyes off you. It's like the um, Zoolander. It's like Hansel's so hot right now. That's what you want <laughs> coming off the screen, right? That's a great movie. Yeah. <laughs> you were mentioning as well when you talk about like dirtying them up and um, all of that. When the characters wear quite light coloured clothes or ivory, um, as we see in the last episode, how difficult is that for continuity knowing that? Sometimes you might shoot out of sync, so the clothes might need to be dirtier than dirtier one day and then cleaner the next. Well, I think number one, it was all about finding that mark, neck, turtle neck, um, and then making sure that it was like thin and really nice. Um, and then those jeans are really particular, those ivory jeans. And then we love the old school wallabies. And then he's wearing a vintage Rolex watch that is super rare. All his watches, by the way, are very, very rare. But then once we got it down to that look, then, and we, because it's a lot of action, we just, you know, you have to get many of them and then distress them with blood and all sorts of stuff and keep your eyes on it. And that's, yeah, continuity is so important. But I think what was interesting is that he was wearing ivory and that didn't mean he was a bad guy or a good guy. And normally, if you're a bad guy, you'd wear dark and lighter color you might wear, you know, just in the tradition of bad guys and good guys. We loved playing on that, you know, that maybe he was wearing all ivory and she was the one wearing all dark. So that was really a, on a conscious decision that they were in those opposite colors. Okay. Yeah, I think as well that when you see those sort of lighter colors as well, they probably stand out more 
um, as an audience member seeing them because it's. Um, I think this. I think somebody had told me that like navy blue is always the most safest uh, color choice for people to wear. So I guess when they mm. sort of variate from that on the spectrum, it's very. It's always very telling and interesting to see visually. I mean, we're so fortunate to work with Donald because he was so trusting. You know, he was so up for it and he loves clothes and, you know, he was, he always went for it. So that it was, was amazing person. And he was the, really the creator of the show, star of the show in that episode. He directed that episode. So that was really amazing um, that we could do what we did um, because he was, you know, his call. I think as well as well, if you're as a costume designer, um, it must be quite, because there are a number of directors that you're working with and creative forces on the show. What is it like collaborating with everybody and how is it different with direct, how different is it when you're working with different directors? Well, with Mr. and Mrs. Smith, every two episodes was a different director, except for the finale, which was Donald's. Um, I think it's interesting to see how different directors are, you know, what their thought process is, how they see it, how they film the characters. Um, and then you have layers of the producers. And with a, with a show, you have also... Amazon producers, people from the other production company, New Regency, who owned the property, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. So you are, um, it is a process. And, um, but the exciting thing is that everybody wants it to look amazing. So in a way, you all want the same things. It's just getting there and kind of hitting all those notes with the clothes. So sometimes it takes a few tries to get everybody, you know, to kind of be on board with the ideas, but it's, um, it only makes it better. Really. I don't, I just think, you know, it's a conversation and it's a collaboration and hopefully with me being the costume designer, my initial ideas still are in play, <laughs> I guess what I can bring to the table and, you know, the inspiration that I can bring, you know, I think hopefully will still, there will still be that thread there. And yeah. there was, I think very much. So in the, in Mr. And Mrs. Smith. I think we can excuse the thread pun uh, regarding costumes. Um, <laughs> but, I, but I guess as well, when you're working with so many people and then there's always, a, there's always a clear vision of what people have in their mind but then once you bring another creative on and someone um, who can kind of, I don't know, mould, you can mould um, ideas or, what, or, or take what people have in their mind and actually put it onto uh, paper or fabric in your case as well. Um, I think that's always a kind of like the great bit about collaborating is when you all click and you're like, oh, I understand what you want and I understand what you're bringing and when you've got that, those amalgamation of the two together, and it's like, you know, nothing can stop us now. Mm, yeah. Yes, that's the challenge. And um, 
I think coming from, you know, I mean, Stanley Kubrick came from still photography and, and I think I totally agree with him that working in still photography and um, composing a photograph and thinking about how you want everybody to look, it taught me a lot going into moving images. So I am looking at the whole picture so that when I think about the whole thing, I'm thinking about everybody in it. Of course, the main characters, you know, have my my focus, but I am also thinking of the thing as a whole. I think it's like an interesting point as well, going from the going from like a, a still photography idea to then moving to moving pictures because I guess with still photography you can kind of just have it uh, there'll be a way of what clothes would sit on someone and then you have the photo whilst with um the constant moving frame is the way that how is it going to move when people are in action or uh, walking around or um how does the clothes react to light and whatnot as well yeah absolutely and light is so important how like velvet sucks the light out but leather or anything patent leather leather that will reflect the light so yeah i like thinking about those things too and and um what that what happens when um something sparkles or something's bright you know that's always um plays a part in the drama of it all or whatever um that scene is if this if the room is dark then if you want somebody to stand out, you're going to have to think about how they would, you know, it's almost like theater in a way that you want, you have a certain amount of time to get that character noticed or your eyes go to that person. What do you want to say about that person in that few seconds or minutes or, you know, the time you have? Yeah, exactly. And uh, again, when you have that light and color, the mixture together, and how, um, because on on this show it does have that. I know it feels like it was shot digitally, but then in post, added that sort of um, that sort of more of a grainy feel to it. Um, so I can imagine that sometimes if somebody's pointed that out in the uh pre production process, that'll probably change the way that you might design as well. Could, yeah, it depends. I know on Armageddon time. With the kids, I wanted them to be, have a certain look that was all more like a murkiness, like a, like tea spelled on things that it all looked a little faded. Everybody looked a little faded. And um, that's because it was set in 1980, but everybody was still kind of looking like they were still in the 70s, late 70s. So those colors were played a big part in that that movie. But in Mr. and Mrs. Smith, when they go to Italy, it's like they're happy. So I wanted the clothes to reflect that. It's Riviera, it's Lake Como, it's navy and blue, blue shades of blue, white, um, orange. That there's there's um a joy that they have for a little while while they're there. So that was fun to kind of like have them in that sunny, sunny romantic vacation moment until, of course, you know, they are 
and I mean, I think they still, they get thrown around and of course it's, they're in a lot of danger, but I think through it all, you know, I think that the clothes still reflect that that was, uh, you know, a honeymoon kind of moment for them. Yeah, you, as you said, that reflects that um, in what they're wearing. Um, just to, um, I've got two final questions. Um, okay. Just to wrap up the episode. Um, yeah. The penultimate question is, uh, what was the hardest uh, costume to design? Mm, I would say that, um, you mean for Jane and John themselves or for anybody? Um. Let's go with anybody. Let's make it a little bit harder. Okay. Let's see. I would say the easiest was John Turturro because we were very spot sort of particular about his character and Eric Shane and that was easy and boom and a lot of fun. And maybe the hardest was the simplest, which was weirdly the hot neighbor because he was so subtle. It was almost like, who is he? Well, we don't really know who he is. Is he a bad guy or a good guy? We don't know. So that was somebody that I particularly wanted to spend time on. But it looks like he's just wearing some shirt and pants, khakis. and um, But I think it worked because you kind of like him, but maybe you don't like him. And maybe he's attractive or maybe he's a jerk or maybe he's a spy too you know or maybe he's a realtor so that took time to figure that out but and also Paul Dano you know is somebody who is not was kind of um an interesting choice which made it even more even better you know I think Paul Dano is fascinating as an actor and I think he's so talented. So that ended up being a little bit harder, even though it was so simple. So I would say mm, that would probably be my answer. I agree with you about Paul Dano and him as a choice because very, very versatile actor and he can either play, he has that sort of like the spectrum of being someone who can kill you in your sleep or can be like the warmest person on camera. Yeah, and he's always smiling. Like, even when he asks her, like, hey, do you have a cat? It's like, what? You don't know what where that's going. There's a menacing air about him, but also a weird, like, he's amused by the whole thing. But he yeah. could kill that cat, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and there's always, like, that, that kind of... So weird undertone but then also oh maybe he's he's all right you just don't know um with him and then just to hit with my final question what was your favorite costume to design oh gosh mm. i would say my favorite was that finale episode it seemed like it was so exciting and also it just worked on so many levels. Like Jane felt iconic and beautiful and feminine and elegant. And John felt handsome and cool and 
confident and being able to kind of chase that those chase scenes and I just love that episode it was I felt like a cool way to wrap it up and the fight scenes and and also a little bit sad there was a little melancholy about it but I I don't know I think that episode those last two characters of you know Dane and John you really feel like you don't want them to die. Um, you don't know what's going to happen. It felt more intimate. And um, I loved that. I don't know. I just think for me, those that last episode was my favorite. It's a solid choice. And you're right in terms of um, having those intimate moments and having those, I think, costumes to reflect it as well. Um, and you can see them sort of getting grubby and grubby as they try to take each other out and yeah, um, sort of like realizing what they have in front of them. Right. And that's also like, don't they trust each other anymore? Maybe they don't. And, but who else can they trust? And they don't want to lose each other because who else can, do they have? So it's like all those emotions going on and, but yeah, there's still these assassins really who you know she's told to kill him so what you know seems like he was trying to kill her so she better it was like interesting i thought sometimes and the clothes kind of you know you don't you're like oh you want them to be okay like he, when he puts his collar up in the whitney museum it's like okay game on and that I felt like just that simple motion of him putting his collar up on his jacket and walking toward her when he sees her in front of that painting. I feel like he was getting ready, like his armor. He was putting that collar up because he was like, oof, this is going to be tough. I like that. Yes, and sometimes you just need to talk these things out rather than uh, shoot at one another. But I do like the you know the collar bit up the collar when he goes in because he said it's going to be tough. It's up. Then also it's a bit of that throwback to um, uh, Robert Redford in Three Days of the Condor. Um, Definitely the sort of hiding away that sort of uh, feeling as well. Yes, for sure. Definitely uh, a lot of Redford Redford moments. Madeline. Thank you so much for your time today. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith is streaming now on Amazon Prime. Go watch uh, Madeline and her team's work and go out and enjoy it. Treat yourself. Thank you again. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank take you very care. much. You take care and yep. bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe, rate and review this podcast.